Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Alias August. Today's episode, Passengers, Original Soundtracks 1, from 1995. Bloody Sunday is from U2's 1983 breakthrough album, War. The band had moderate success with their first two albums, but War would hit number 12 in the U.S. and number 1 in the U.K. Not only was it their first number 1 album, but it took the number 1 spot from the biggest selling album of all time, Michael Jackson's Thriller. While touring the world in 1983 in support of War, they started moving to bigger and bigger venues, starting at clubs and eventually getting to arenas. As a way of promoting the band to American audiences, a concert film was set to be recorded on June 5, 1983 at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Rain nearly caused the show to be canceled, but the band had invested in the filming with Island Records, and concert promoter Barry Fay wanted the show to go on. The rain made for an incredibly dramatic and memorable night. The result was the concert film U2 Live at Red Rocks Under a Blood Red Sky. Their performance of Sunday Bloody Sunday that night was called one of the 50 moments that changed the history of rock and roll by Rolling Stone magazine. But when it came time to record their next album, U2 wanted something more. They didn't want to be seen as just an arena rock band. They wanted to do something more arty and more serious. To accomplish this, the band hired producer Brian Eno and his engineer Daniel Lanois to work on their next record. Brian Eno first came onto the scene as the keyboardist for the glam band Roxy Music. He would leave the band after only two albums, but then started releasing solo albums in the mid-70s. He started experimenting with minimalist music, and the term ambient music would be coined with the release of 1978's Ambient One, Music for Airports. The album is made up of four compositions that were made by layering tape loops of differing lengths. Eno's frequent collaborations with Daniel Lanois led to the two co-producing U2's next album together. And it was a hit. The Unforgettable Fire was released on October 1st, 1984. They would once again top the UK albums chart and peak at number 12 on the Billboard 200. The album's lead single, Pride, parentheses in the name of love, would be the band's biggest hit yet and their first US Top 40 hit. Yeah. 
U2's live shows would continue to grow. They had now moved into indoor arenas. And by March of 1985, Rolling Stone magazine called them the Band of the 80s. Then, on July 13, 1985, another pivotal moment. It's 12 noon in London, 7 a.m. in Philadelphia. And around the world, it's time for Live Aid. 16 hours of live music and aid of famine relief in Africa. U2 performed at Wembley Stadium for Live Aid in front of 72,000 people and a worldwide TV audience of around 1.5 billion people. In 2011, The Guardian called Live Aid the moment that made stars out of U2 and included their performance on a list of 50 key events in rock history. Then the band would work again with Eno and Lanois for 1987's The Joshua Tree, which would be their biggest success yet. The album was praised by critics and went to number one in over 20 countries. Five singles were released, two of which, With or Without You and I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, would become their only number one singles in America. The Joshua Tree would go on to sell over 25 million copies. It won Grammy Awards for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal and Album of the Year. All of that, and the band had now started playing stadiums. After releasing the hybrid live and studio album Rattle and Hum, which also had an accompanying film, the band returned to the studio with Eno and Lanois again for 1991's Octung Baby. They once again had a bit of a change in direction. They would now include elements of industrial and dance music. In a 2004 interview with Uncut Magazine, Bono referred to Octung Baby as Four Men Chopping Down the Joshua Tree. The album would debut at number one on the Billboard 200, had five charting singles, and sold 18 million copies. And they would once again win the Grammy for Best Rock Performance by a duo or group with vocals. In support of the album, the band embarked on what they would call the Zoo TV Tour. It was an elaborately staged multimedia experience that satirized television and media oversaturation by giving the audience sensory overload. It was meant as an escape for the band to not take themselves so seriously. Here's Bono talking to Pat Kenny about the tour in 1992. I think it was Timothy Leary said something like, uh, he said, cyberspace, that is, that's the... That's where you are when you're on the phone. And uh, we just want to utilize small objects like television sets, telephones, um, faxes, anything, anything that was available to a lot of people and just show you know, what could be done with them in the context of rock and roll and the context of a, of a massive stadium event. Earning over $151 million, Zoo TV would be the highest grossing North American tour of 1992. And the tour would continue into 1993, but during a six-month break between legs of the tour, the band returned to the studio again with Brian Eno, but this time without Lanois. The album was inspired by their experiences on the Zoo TV tour and was intended to expand on its mass media themes. The result would be Zoo Ropa. Their new album was once again received well by critics, but not quite to the same success as the previous two albums. 
None of its three singles were huge hits this time around, but it would still sell 7 million copies and win the Grammy Award for Best Alternative Music Album. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When the band was nearing the end of the recording process for Zuropa, they felt as if they'd hit a wall. They worked at a much faster pace than they were used to. In a November 1995 interview with Knight Ritter News Service, Brian Eno said, quote, In the studio, it's easy to get to the screwdriver level, where you're debating about the slightest things and getting obsessive. I suggested we do some improvising sessions. Just turn the tape on and play. So we were working with a broad brush rather than the one hair brushes we'd been using. It was designed to open us up a little, and it proved to be a good way of originating music. End quote. And this approach worked. It was so productive that Eno proposed that they do more after they finished the rest of the Zoo TV tour. The idea would be to continue with the same approach, but with no agenda or any particular project in mind. Here's Brian Eno on the Passenger's promotional interview disc. Quite a lot of the music that I've recorded on my own records has ended up being used as film music. Working with U2, we've often come up with things that didn't end up on their records and which sounded like they could have been film music. So this is a collection of things that we've made for films. If you say to someone, this is music for a film, you immediately stimulate in them a visualizing process. People start to imagine what the film would have been like. And as soon as you do that, of course, you're, you're co-opting them into the creative process. The band ended up with about 25 hours worth of recorded experimentation by recording music for films that don't exist. To prepare for this, during pre-production, Eno installed a huge monitor in the studio and used a collection of various types of videos to serve as visual inspiration. Here's Bono on the Passenger's promo interview disc. Well, in U2, I get blame. In Passenger's, Eno does, and that suits me fine. We wanted to be in his backing band. Actually, I think I prefer to be a passenger rather than the driver of the train, so to speak. The idea was to uh, approach this record almost like a jazz record, just to improvise. So, the project would be called Passengers. And on November 6th, 1995, Passengers Original Soundtracks 1 
would be released on Island Records. We shall continue to abuse our position and fuck up the mainstream. United Colors opens the album. The liner notes include descriptions of the fake films that each song is from. United Colors is said to be from the film United Colors of Plutonium, which is a horror-slash-comedy about a Japanese advertising executive who falls asleep on the bullet train and his dreams are haunted by the spirits of people he exploited throughout his career. project with Brian Eno that was not a U2 album because we've been fans of his work for such a long time so we went into the studio with Brian um, really just to explore this idea of, of collaborating, songwriting or composing, whatever you want to call it, together and um, Brian came up with the idea of using a kind of set of strategies Strategies is one of the things that Eno is credited for on this album. Eno was basically in charge here, but he's not the credited producer. In fact, there is no credited producer on the album. A few of the songs on the album were actually written for real films, and track three is one of those. Your Blue Room was written for the 1995 Michelangelo Antonioni Wim Wenders film Beyond the Clouds, starring John Malkovich. Malkovich! The final verse is performed by bassist Adam Clayton, making this only the second time he was featured as a vocalist. The only other was 1983's Endless Deep, which was the B-side to Sunday Bloody Sunday. Zooming in, zooming out, nothing I can do without. A lens to see it all up close, magnify whatever happens. Never in company, never alone. No car alarm, no cellular phone. Always Forever Now is a mostly instrumental track that credits Paul Barrett with the string arrangement. Barrett is U2's longtime sound man, and he's appeared on various recordings for the band over the years. This song would also end up being used briefly in Michael Mann's 1995 film, Heat. different kind of blue is from the imaginary film An Ordinary Day. It's the lone track that features a Brian Eno vocal. 
The album had one single, Miss Sarajevo. It's another of the album's songs written for a real film. The film Miss Sarajevo is a documentary by Bill Carter about a beauty pageant held in the midst of Bosnia-Herzegovina's besieged capital city. Bono was the film's producer. The single features an opera solo by Luciano Pavarotti. It even got a live performance in September of 1995 at the annual Pavarotti and Friends concert in Italy. The single would fail to chart in the U.S., but was a top ten hit in several European countries. Bono has called Miss Sarajevo his favorite U2 song. Ito Okashi is a song featuring Japanese singer and composer Holy, and she's also credited for co-writing the track. Here she is on the Passenger's promo interview disc talking about the experience. Actually, it was really surprising because I was so bored. I wanted to get out of my room. We arrived at the entrance of the studio, and Brian said, OK, then I'll introduce you to the band. And I said, what, what band? Is that your new band? He said, no, it's you too. So <laughs> it's another shock for me. I was completely gobsmacked. I just stepped in the studio next moment, and everybody was there. Bono, Edge, Adam, Larry. I just lost my world, and I just said <laughs> hello to everybody. But that was the only thing I could manage to say. <laughs> Warning was written for the 1995 anime neo-noir cyberpunk thriller film Ghost in the Shell. Holly's voice can also be heard on this track. Elvis 8 America is from an imaginary film of the same name. 
Scottish musician, producer, and DJ Howie B appears on the song and is the credited co-writer and engineer. A year after this album, he produced a remix for the first Mission Impossible film called Mission Impossible Theme, parentheses, Mission Accomplished, and it was performed by U2's Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr. It would peak at number seven on both the U.S. and U.K. charts. The album's closer is Theme from Let's Go Native. The liner notes say Let's Go Native became one of the last films to fall foul of the apartheid laws in South Africa. The album was met with mixed reviews and went largely unnoticed, especially when you compare to typical U2 standards. In fact, there was a point when Your Blue Room was set to be released as a single, but it was canceled after the album did not sell well. It would spend four weeks on the Billboard 200, peaking at number 76. Drummer Larry Mullen Jr. has stated many times his dislike of the album, but he calls Miss Sarajevo a classic. But Original Soundtracks 1 isn't the only album made up of songs for non-existent movies. In 1999, documentary filmmaker and musician Don Argot released an album that claimed to be soundtracks from unreleased porn movies. It even featured voiceovers from disgraced porn star Ron Jeremy. The album was released under the name Porno Sonic. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. <laughs>